that tune. Blessed Assurance. <laughs> well, that's exciting because we're going to be talking about Blessed Assurance today. And uh, it's uh, part of our series, Then Sings My Soul. It is, um, you know, I grew up, as I mentioned earlier, I grew up in a church where we sang hymns all the time. And so hymns are kind of partial to me. It's part of who I am. I grew up in that tradition. But one of the greatest hymn writers of all time was Fanny Crosby. You can imagine as a young boy <clears throat> sitting in the pew with my mind, a little ADHD, not a little. Uh, <laughs> first thing that came to my mind is why in the world would their dad and mom call her Fanny? That was the first thing. But you're going to hear about Fanny Crosby today because she was one of the most prolific hymn writers of all times. Over 8,000 hymns were uh, written and penned by her. 100 million copies have been printed. She's also known for teaching and her rescue mission work. She was just an unbelievable lady. Fanny Crosby was known as the queen of gospel and the queen of gospel writers, the mother, the mother of modern-day congregational singing. <clears throat> she wrote songs like Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior, Jesus is Calling Me Tenderly, Praise Him, Praise Him, Jesus, My Blessed Redeemer, Rescue the Perishing, and of course, To God Be the Glory, and Blessed Assurance. These are just, about, just a few of nearly two, uh, of, of nearly 8,000 hymns that she wrote. Fanny was a blind person. She was blind from the age of six weeks old and a devout Christian. One day she was visiting her friend, Phoebe Knapp, and uh, who was having a pipe organ installed in her home. While waiting for the installation to be completed, Mrs. Knapp said, um, she said, Fanny, I, I just had this tune that I've composed. I wondered if you would listen to it. Fanny said, sure, she'd love to. As she was playing it, as she was playing the tune, Fanny Crosby was praying. And uh, when she was done playing and done praying, she asked her friend, Mrs. Knapp asked her friend Fanny, what do you think the tune says? And in a few minutes after prayer, Fanny replied, that sounds like blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. <clears throat> the popular song reflects Crosby's walk of faith as expressed by the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. She called the tune blessed assurance. Fanny and Phoebe Knapp, I honestly believe this, were, were probably listening or reading the scriptures in Romans 8, 38 and 39, for it says this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor future, nor any powers, neither heights or death, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. This hymn, Blessed Assurance, is a proclamation. It was interesting this morning when I come in and, and uh, the band and orchestra and choir and everybody that's here, 
They were playing, I'm a friend of God. That's a proclamation. But the proclamation comes from blessed assurance. And that's what she's saying. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. It's her story. It's her song. It's her salvation story. And our story can be the same. Hers and ours can be the same. I like to call it a testimonial hymn. It's sing, you sing it to the world to let the world know that you have a relationship with Jesus. Most, a lot of hymns and worship songs nowadays are, are vertical. You know, we honor God and we sing great hymns like even this morning, um, our God, our God is greater, our God is stronger, our God is whatever the other words were. <laughs> but this song is a little different it is a proclamation of one's relationship with Jesus and, and she begins the hymn with that blessed assurance Jesus is mine that's her proclamation and what a profound statement to know and be assured that Jesus is hers and Jesus can be ours in Romans 8, 14 through 17, it says, For we are led by the Spirit of God, our children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again, but rather the Spirit you receive brought, you, brought about your adoption to sonship. And we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies that with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ Jesus, if indeed we share in his sufferings. You see, what she says here is that it's just that she proclaims that she's a child of God. Jesus is mine. It's a proclamation, proclaiming that Jesus is hers, and that, he, and that the Holy Spirit lives within her. You see, when we receive Christ into our heart and lives, we understand that Jesus is ours. We're adopted into his family. We're gonna look at that in just a minute. But Fanny Crosby had an assurance that she was a child of God. I loved hearing everybody sing this morning, I am a child of God. I hope that's true. And I hope that's your proclamation this morning. She goes on to write, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Now, I like earth. Earth's a cool place. It's amazing. But this is just a precursor of the glory that awaits us for those who believe in the Spirit and live in the Spirit of God and the Spirit that lives within us. It is beyond our understanding how great heaven will truly be. I know people have written books, tried to describe it, but we don't even begin to touch the hem of what heaven's going to be like. Fanny Crosby had a special joy in contemplating heaven. When a pastor expressed sympathy for her blindness, Fanny goes, Fanny responded, I consider my blindness a blessing because when I get to heaven, the first face I will ever gladden my sight will be that of my Savior. 
Let's look at some of the descriptions of heaven. We, we don't know all of them, but we got a, there's a few. In John chapter 14, it says, My house, my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. I had a seminary, a seminary professor say to me, uh, he said, man, if it took God six days to create the world, just think what heaven's going to be like when he's had all this time. It'll be a place with many rooms and many mansions, a place with no racism. Revelation 7, after this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. No such thing as prejudice. We will all love each other and care for each other. It will be an amazing thing. There will be joy and peace and, and service, and nothing bad will happen. Therefore, it says, they are before the throne of God and will serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will there be hunger or thirst. The sun will be, not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. The lamb, for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. No more cancer. No more hurt. No more anguish. This morning before the 8 o'clock service, a lady came to me. She handed me a prayer shawl and she said, it's so sad that we make these every week. And it's just, it's true. But one day, you know, every tear will be dried. No more cancer. No more stubbing my toe in the dark. <laughs> it will be a wonderful place. A beautiful place to see and live. Revelation 21, it says, and, the, and he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Having the glory of God, her light was like the most precious stone, like jasper stone, clear as crystal. I think our world is amazing. We have an awesome creation. God does wonderful things. But I'll tell you right now, heaven is just going to be unbelievable. And last, I just want to share with you the benefit is that the presence of God will be there. There's something that we really can't comprehend. Now, I know we experience the presence of God from time to time in our lives, more than others, but there's a peace and a presence in his presence. God's creation, his animals, all the things that he has made here on earth will just, just far too great and so much greater it will be when we get there. She goes on to write, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation. Heir of salvation. 
the benefits of being a child of God. We read earlier about that we, uh, in verse uh, 15 of Romans 8, it says, and we will be called the children of God, heirs of Jesus Christ. We're adopted into God's family. Now, I know about adoption. Uh, my oldest son and his family, uh, my, it's just, uh, we have an adoption, and these are them. And you can tell some of them are different. But I remember standing there and how powerful and how emotional it was because we as grandparents and parents were committed to treating these children like they were our, our blood relatives, like they were ours, and they are. That's what happens when we receive Christ into our heart and lives. The Heavenly Father treats us like his own son and daughter because we are. You know, we have some wonderful benefits. Wonderful benefits from being an heir of salvation. We're able to talk to God. In Romans 5, it says, we have the very access to the throne of God. We can be led by the Spirit of God. God guides and directs our lives as his children. Sometimes that involves discipline. Not a big fan. but sometimes necessary. We relate to other believers as members of one family. Do you realize that there are over 50 one another commands in the Bible? Love one another, care one for another, pray one for another, serve one another. I mean, we live in this world that is so divided, but we as believers need to care and love and serve and pray for one another. It's the privilege we have of being adopted. We can be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Ephesians 5 says, therefore as imitators of God, as beloved children. That's what we need to do. Continue to imitate God, our Father in heaven. And one other benefit is that we live with our Heavenly Father in a room that he has built for us. My wife not too long ago got a new kitchen thanks to some people here in the church. I'm telling you what, she's in heaven. <laughs> but I'll tell you this, there's not gonna be anything like that. Because on heir of salvation, purchase of God, have you ever thought the pain and anguish that Jesus went through? Do you know not that your body is the Holy Spirit, uh, is the temple of the Holy Spirit? who is in you, whom you receive from God. You are not your own. You've been bought with a price, the scripture says. Therefore, glorify God with your body. Have you ever thought about the pain and anguish? All those things that Jesus went to through for us? One of my first solos as a child was, who am I? Listen to these words. When I think of how he came so far from glory, came and dwelt among the lowly, such as I, he suffered shame and such disgrace on Mount Calvary. Took my place. Then I asked myself this question, who am I? Who am I that a king would bleed and die for? 
Who am I that he would pray, not my will, thine, Lord? The answer I may never know is why he ever loved me so that to an old rugged cross he'd go. For who am I? Purchased of God. And then he wraps it up with these powerful phrase, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This simultaneous act of love for us, not only for our sins will be washed away, but he also gives us the Holy Spirit to keep us clean, to help us live holy and righteous life, to live set apart for his work and his ministry. Ephesians 1 says, In him you also, when you have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed. That's the assurance part. The assurance part. We're sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit who guarantees our inheritance. Sounds powerful, doesn't it? Guaranteed our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise and glory. Fanny Crosby was assured by the Holy Spirit that lived within her. Fanny Crosby spent a few moments in prayer and the song leaps into her heart. She was a child of the king. And then we see this. In Matthew 6, verses 27 and 28, he took the cup and he gave thanks to God. He gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which is con confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sin of many. The blood of Jesus Christ, washed in his blood, that blood is the oxyclean, of the spiritual realm. I was so impressed with OxyClean. <laughs> that commercial is amazing. <laughs> I had to run right out and get some. This dirty, filthy water, he puts a <laughs> gone. That's what Jesus does for our sin. He takes it all and <laughs> gone. He removes the sin like oxyclean removes stains. The power of the blood of Jesus. That should be another hymn that we look at next year. <laughs> this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Each time we sing this song, it is a proclamation of what Jesus has done for us. We are made heirs of Jesus. We are connected to each other. We are purchased by God. We are his children. This is our story. This is our song. If so, then our only response can be the same as Fanny Crosby's. We should stand with one voice and proclaim, this is my story. This is my song. Let's pray. Father, may if there are people here that haven't made this your, their story, help them today. Father, but give us hearts that are confirmed and assured in you. May your spirit work within us and empower us because this is our song. This is our story. And we want to praise you all the day long. I ask him to stay and sing with us. Would you please stand and join us?
in this hymn.
applause for the choir and orchestra. Amen. Go in peace and serve the Lord. See you next week.